Is this frequency in use? Welcome to Southgate Vibes, a selection of the latest stories direct from Southgate Amateur Radio News. I'm Steve Richards, Golf 4 Hotel Papa Echo. You're going to hear my personal picks of what is happening in amateur radio and the wider world of communications. Whether you're just starting out in ham radio or an experienced operator spinning around the spectrum for those rare and sometimes strange signals, I hope you'll find something to entertain you here. Welcome to Southgate Vibes. Hello again. If you're into radio and telecommunications, you've just landed your executive helicopter on the right pad. There's always interesting stuff going on. Technology, propagation, even interference. And good and bad, it's all to be wrapped in a nice warm blanket before you take off again. In April, World Amateur Radio Day comes along. It's a regular in the calendar, and there's lots of things planned. Whatever bit of radio you're currently into, something special will be happening. For example, over in Canada, they're already announcing some major on-air activity. Every year on April the 18th, it's World Amateur Radio Day, when radio amateurs worldwide take to the airwaves in celebration of amateur radio and to commemorate the formation of the International Amateur Radio Union in 1925. The President of Radio Amateurs of Canada, Phil McBride, Victor Alpha 3, Quebec Romeo, reports that once again the RAC will be holding a Get on the Air on World Amateur Radio Day special event, in which they encourage as many amateurs as possible to get on the air and contact as many RAC stations as possible. RAC official stations will operate across Canada from 0000 UTC to 2359 UTC on April the 18th. The official station call signs all have Romeo Alpha Charlie as the suffix, and amongst the prefixes are Victor Alpha 2, Victor Alpha 3, Victor Echo 1, Victor Echo 4, Victor Echo 5, Victor Echo 6, Victor Echo 7, Victor Echo 8, Victor Echo 9, Victor Oscar 1, Victor Oscar 2. Victor Yankee 0, Victor Yankee 1, and Victor Yankee 2, Romeo Alpha Charlie. Those contacting one or more of these stations will be eligible for a special commemorative certificate, noting their participation in the RAC's event. Participants simply need to complete one or more contacts on any band and mode with RAC official stations to earn their certificates. No logs need to be submitted. Simply check back on the RAC website when instructed and enter your call sign to download your certificate. For more information on World Amateur Radio Day and the RAC's Get on the Air on World Amateur Radio Day special event, please visit www.rac.ca. (laughs) 
Like many people of my generation, listening to shortwave broadcast stations was the first entry into the wonderful world of radio. I can well remember being given a very old valve receiver by the owner of the local electrical repair shop, and after throwing up a random wire into the nearby trees, I was fascinated to hear Radio Cairo in English blasting out of the loudspeaker. What was this amazing medium that voices from halfway around the world could reach my ears? It sparked my obsession for a lifetime, of course. And many progressed to listening to amateur, commercial, aeronautical and maritime communications. Over the years, many other means of hearing distant programming have come along, and shortwave broadcasting has been scaling back. Interesting, then, that the conflict in Ukraine has reignited the need to plough through country borders to keep the beleaguered citizens of that country in touch with the news. These signals are probably being jammed, but truly effective jamming of shortwave signals day and night is not as easy as one might at first think. I'm sure we'll return to that subject, but now the pressing need is to receive shortwave signals on radios that may not have the native capability. Writing on Hackaday.com, Jenny List said that an abiding memory for a teen fascinated by electronics and radio in the 1970s and 80s was the proliferation of propaganda stations that covered the shortwave spectrum. Some of them were slightly surreal, such as Albania's Radio Tirana, which would proudly inform 1980s Western Europe that every village in their country now possessed a telephone. But most stations were the more mainstream ideological gladiating of The Voice of America and Radio Moscow. It's a long-gone era, as the Cold War is a distant memory, and citizens East and West now get their info from the internet. But perhaps there's an echo of those times following the invasion of Ukraine. With most external news agencies thrown out of Russia and their websites blocked, international broadcasters are launching new shortwave services to get the news through. Owning a shortwave radio in Russia may once again become a subversive activity. There was a time when everyone had a radio, and radio listening was a universal occupation. From the 1930s, families clustered round an ornate family radio, the teenagers of the 1960s and 70s using their portables, it's a defining 20th century image. Though many of us still listen to radio here in 2022, the chances are that we no longer do so over AM, and certainly not over shortwave. We can get instant access to almost any content available online, so it's by no means certain people will even have a radio. If those shortwave transmissions are starting again, how can their intended audience pick them up? Perhaps it's time to look at shortwave radios with a 2022 slant. If you lack a shortwave radio and a dig around your family's junk hasn't turned up a relic from decades past, then the simplest way to get one is, of course, to buy one. But there's a problem. International events are moving really fast and there might not be the luxury of waiting three weeks for delivery or even, for that matter, of being able to order one at all if you're located in a war zone. How can you make one? Yet again, there's an extremely simple option in the Silicon Labs series of one-chip radios. These provide a high-performance shortwave receiver with a minimum of external parts and really are a miracle of integration. But yet again, in a war zone and in the middle of a chip shortage, they just might not be an option. So how could you make a shortwave radio receiver using what parts you might have at hand from available consumer electronics? 
The best way to start is to look at the things you might already have, such electronic flotsam and jetsam as battery-powered AM radios, car radios, or even $10 RTL SDR sticks. All of these can be modified or converted to receive the shortwave broadcast bands, often with readily available parts. Probably the simplest method possible might be to directly modify an existing AM radio. Jenny credits Phil, Mike Six India Papa X-Ray at indestructibles.com, who describes a method to do this. It involves changing the resonant frequency of the ferrite rod antenna coil in the radio and relying on a harmonic of the local oscillator rather than the fundamental to do the mixing. It doesn't necessarily cover all the broadcast bands, but it might do at a pinch. And if you want to resolve single sideband on an AM-only radio, get a second AM radio and locate it close to the first. Try tuning the second radio, and often the oscillator it contains will act as a beat frequency oscillator, which will allow single sideband signals in the main receiver to be resolved. Read the full article, which has many suggestions and is full of photos, at hackaday.com. Any radio amateur will tell you that about the biggest threat to reception on HF or shortwave is the widespread pollution of the radio spectrum by the VDSL system, which is a method of providing fast internet to customers down ancient copper overhead cables that were never intended or designed to carry signals much above baseband speech. It's a cheap solution, while the providers all drag their heels over providing proper fibre to the premises. The problem is, VDSL pours radio frequency interference into the atmosphere. The providers rake in excessive profits from this cheap, ill-fitting solution, and the regulators are disinterested in legislating against the interference. With what will be viewed by many as an ultimate bending of reality, an Australian broadband organisation has issued a document blaming radio hams for interference to VDSL, ignoring the fundamental fact that in the vast majority of cases it's the other way round. If you, like me and many others, experience S9 Plus broadband noise to your reception, with justification you'll be wound up by this item. Australia's national broadband network, the NBN, has produced a document that suggests that radio amateurs cause interference to VDSL2, whereas, of course, in reality, it is VDSL2 and the RF pollution it can produce that is the problem. The introduction to their document says that it is intended for technically-minded users or those providing technical support to customers connected to the Australia's national broadband network who are experiencing signal interference between their service and amateur radio transmissions. It's assumed that the people referencing the document will have a reasonable understanding of electronics, wireless transmission and broadband transmission technology, including digital subscriber line, that's DSL, and very high-speed DSL, that's VDSL. With that in mind, the document would be suitable for licensed cablers, telecommunications, network technicians, operational support staff, network engineers and amateur radio operators. The full document, called Mitigating Amateur Radio Interference to VDSL2, can be downloaded from www.nbnco.com.au. For radio amateurs, this is likely to be an annoying, if not inflammatory, document. It suggests that radio hams are causing problems to VDSL when, in general, it is exactly the other way round. 
Wideband HF interference from VDSL is driving many radio hams off the air. And while radio amateurs have licenses allowing them to radiate radio frequencies, VDSL should be contained within the cables that deliver it. Perhaps the amateur radio societies in Australia will make a robust response. You are listening to Southgate Vibes with me, Steve, G4 Hotel Papa Echo. Way back at the beginning of the last century, when radio was in its infancy and VDSL interference hadn't even been dreamed up, thank heaven, amateur radio in Northern Ireland was a real novelty, which often made it into the local papers. Here's a little window on those pioneering times. The Institution of Engineering and Technology, the IET, has published an article about Eric McGaw, original callsign Six Mike Uniform, a radio amateur in Belfast in the 1920s. Eric's radio achievements featured in the newspapers of the time. When aged only 15, he hit the headlines in the local press under the title of Belfast Island, Boy Spans Ocean, dated December 12, 1923. In October 1924, the Belfast Telegraph carried the story Belfast Boy Receives 12,000 Miles Signal. And on August 15th, 1925, the Irish Telegraph published a picture of Eric and his amateur radio station. And in 1926, under the title Belfast Talks to India, Amateur's Fine Performance, it reported that a Belfast radio amateur, Eric McGaw, who has for some time been experimenting with low-power telephony on shortwaves, established telephony communication with Mr H. Beck, callsign Radio YHBK, at Kohat, India. Mr Beck, who was using Morse code signals, reported that the speech was quite OK, fairly strong, with no distortion. This is understood to be the first time words spoken in Ireland have been heard in India, and as Mr McGaw was using an input of only 30 watts, about half the power used by an ordinary electric light, and a single 20-watt mullard transmitting valve, the transmission is probably a record for low-power and simple apparatus. In the 1930s, Eric worked at the General Electric Company Research Laboratories at Wembley, where he was involved in the development of high-power magnetrons. The full IET article can be read at ietarchivesblog.org. In the 1920s, the prefixes used by amateur stations in the British Isles were GI, Gulf India, for Northern Ireland, GW, Gulf Whiskey, for the Irish Free State, Gulf Charlie, for Scotland, and then golf was used for both England and Wales, and possibly the Crown Dependencies too. Well, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Southgate Vibes, stories about amateur radio and the world of communications, from Southgate Amateur Radio News. You can find these stories and many more daily reports at our website, southgatearc.org. Don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by sending an email to vibes at southgatearc.org. So until next time, this is Steve Richards, G4 Hotel Papa Echo, signing off and wishing you best 7-3.